Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective, broadcasting out of the Ayn Rand Center, UK. That stands for United Kingdom, if you're American and didn't know. Now, today is a big day in America and therefore the world. It's the presidential debate coming up. I guess it's going to be pretty late at night uh, for you European folks. But here in America, it's like the Super Bowl. We're excited. We got the, the chicken wings. We got the chips and salsa. We're excited. It's a big day. Now, I don't know what to expect. I mean, the world today is not the same place as it was the last time there was a presidential debate. It's not even the same place it was when Democrats were debating amongst each other earlier this year. I wonder if the presidential candidates know what to expect. And I wonder if their staff is advising them on what the heck to say. Here to help us understand uh, the upcoming debate, what to expect and how to think about it, we've got a guy who, you know, let's just say, here in America, we don't have much to say about Greek politics. We don't even have that much to say about British politics, speaking of the UK. For all I know right now, the prime minister is debating the queen. But in America, we frankly don't care. However, Nikos Sotirakopoulos has a lot to say about our politics. So please welcome Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Yeah, because, you know, we Greeks always had the universal aspirations. So first, it's interesting to talk about debates themselves and how they have changed. So I've been watching debates for 24 years. So the first debate I remember, 96, and it was the socialist candidate in Greece versus the center-right candidate. And as you said, it was like, I remember the enthusiasm at the, at how, it was like football. So we went to a friend's house as a family. Everyone was for the socialist, the center left party. And I remember the first scene. So both candidates were a bit goofy. We were away from the charismatic candidates. And in the first scene, it was like the, the, the right wing candidate was like, he didn't know how to stand in front of the camera. Whereas the left wing candidate, the center left candidate was like serious professor like, and everyone said, ah, our guy got the first point. So back then, debates were very boring. So it was not a dialogue. It was parallel monologues. And the main thing was make sure you don't screw up. So make sure you don't say something completely stupid. Make sure you don't do something which people are going to remember. And it's interesting how this has changed. So it's interesting if you remember, for example, the 2016 debates, and we're going to talk a bit more about them, how before the 2016 there were the highlights of a debate was for example where one candidate would stand relatively close to the other and enter his personal space and would remember that or when uh, i think it was bush checked the time on his watch like oh my god this is what and with trump and hillary after the first like three minutes of the debate there was most there were more stuff that had oversaw all the previous debates so the first so here are some questions I'm throwing on the table for you. A, do you think there are people who are actually watching the debate and saying, oh, this is going to determine who I'll vote? Or I'm not sure, but this might change my mind. That's the one question. And the other question is, do you think that the stuff that debates have begun have become more like this mud fight that we saw in 2016 is in a way more real, we see the real thing, we see who these people real are, and we went away from this, uh, you know, very uptight, serious discussion, or is it part of the whole 
of the whole infantilizing of politics and taking away, not infantilizing, but politics becoming less and less of a serious business, but becoming more and more of, in a way, continuation of the culture wars. So instead of trolling each other on Twitter, they, they kind of had these mad fights on stage. Uh, good questions. There's one of my famous good question responses, met, uh, followed by silence. Um, yeah, your, your first question was, uh, are undecided voters going to watch this? And I mean, I mean, there must be a lot of undecided voters because as someone who wants them both to lose, I can't decide which one I want to lose more. And I, you know, it's going to trigger people. I, I think I'd rather tr uh, Trump lose more than I'd rather Biden lose. Um, because Trump needs to go. This is, uh, this, is not, this is not heading in a positive direction, folks. You know, um, uh, Biden is a devil we know. He's a devil we know. Trump is taking Republicans down a path that um, Anakin Skywalker once took the Jedis. <laughs> and, uh, or the Senate or whatever he did. Okay. Um, and your other question was, is this more real or is it... Uh, a, a catastrophe like I mean it is real it is reflecting our culture the question always is to me the question always is at what point do, do these theatrics replace the actual legal system because if you go into a courtroom as corrupted as the legal process has become by sort of personalities and by sort of corrupt philosophy it is still a place, a courtroom today is still a place where some things are sacred. It is still a, a place where the rule of law is, is referred to. It's not just the two lawyers are not like two politicians just making fun of each other and then the jury are like voters. I mean, let's put jury aside. A judge is not like an undecided voter that just kind of is made to laugh. So we're not yet in the movie Idiocracy, I hope. Um, but at what point does the, do, do, do these theatrics actually replace rule of law? And at that point, all bets are off. At that point, we are 20th century Europe and expect blood to flow and heads to roll. But I don't, I mean, we're not there yet. I mean, for now, these theatrics are predominantly, um, you know, just in electoral politics. And then, but then once they get into office, there is sort of a legal process they need to follow. And in courtrooms, these things can be challenged and we can sue the government and the government uh, sections of the government can sue one another and they can go to court and a judge and, you know, Supreme Court judges, et cetera, other judges and lawyers, they do need to uh, refer to rule of law. So that's the question. At what point will these theatrics literally just replace the legal system that we have in place? That's what worries me more than anything. Uh, but in terms of these theatrics, it, it's unhealthy. Look, I'm an entertainer and an outrageous one. I love over-the-top entertainment. Believe me. Believe me. Me and Trump, in another timeline, we, we, we could have worked together and we are cut from the same cloth. But the difference is some things are sacred to me, such as rule of law, such as um, the fact that I am not dictator, that I am not uh, dictating reality, and I am not um, at discretion to rule over other men. But Trump, I fear, he does not see the distinction between entertainment and politics, that is, between entertainment and force. So well, God help for, us. For the people who can't get it, just remind, let me remind them that, you know, what you just hear from Raga is not the official line of objectivism or ARC UK. 
I'm not even sure that I agree unofficially with him, but that's what makes the show hopefully uh, interesting. So I don't know. So let, let's let's think about let's think about this way, 2016, because I think there was this idea, and I and this is also relevant for this year's debates that Trump would go in these debates like what's the phrase like a bull in a glass. Uh, you get the phrase, right? Yeah, in a, in a China shop or something. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. So, but if you remember, that's not what happened. So in the first debate, Trump had either the flu or a cold. He was very low energy. Today, everyone would freak out that he, had, that he has COVID. But anyway, he was low energy. And then in the last, and it was relatively civilized debate. And then in the last, literally in the last minute, literally in the last minute, Hillary Clinton, without Trump having the chance to reply, throws, oh, and by the way, Trump is a misogynist or something like that. He doesn't respect women. So see, see through the first stone. And then we had the first, the second debate, which was almost difficult to watch. It was after this video with the revela revelations about uh, Trump, they grabbed them, blah, 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 blah. So then the idea was Trump has probably lost, so he's going to throw a show. And that was the debate where, if you remember, he brought in the audience the women who had accused Bill Clinton. And that was, I think, more than one. So that was difficult to watch. You'd expect the ten, you could cut the tension with a knife, as I said. But then again, the third debate was more or less fine. So here's the thing, though. Trump has created this image from his, for himself and also his fans that he's this dominating figure in debates. And that started with the Republican primaries in 2016. But this puts also the bar really high for what is expected from him in the debate. So that's why we found the first debate last in 2016 in a way uh, boring. But here's why this makes the stakes for him tonight so high because everyone is expecting that he's going to destroy Biden. But actually for Biden, what will be a victory will be, let's be honest, not to completely mess things up, to be, you know, not to make any of these, you know, when he loses his train of thought and then it becomes a clip. If nothing of the kind happens and, and also not to play up to this idea that you know he's low energy or whatever again we don't endorse these theories but they're out there i mean let's be frank most conservatives today that's why they're watching that's what they expect from the debate like can this guy go through the 90 minutes uh, in a coherent and again this might be completely unfair this might be a fabrication but it's out there so if biden has a good performance tonight that's a victory for biden for trump to win he needs to completely demolish the opponent or the opponent to demolish himself. So it's, you people don't watch football. It's the equivalent of the first game was, let's say, okay, people won't get it. It's like a second game in a second leg, but where the team needs to score, let's say, three goals and not to concede a goal to win. Oh. Well, we do but watch. That's what you call soccer, by the way. The yeah, we do watch football. We don't watch soccer. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot there. First of all, um, you ever watch these TV shows like Game of Thrones, where you have all these key characters that they're like in separate timelines, they're in separate side stories, and then they finally meet 
like it's like whoa it's like so exciting so that's kind of like trump and biden later not not that biden is that interesting it would be more fun to watch trump and bernie finally meet face to face but i i mean i think bernie would win that debate just because he makes moral arguments and trump doesn't even really speak that language although who knows who knows what would sort of emerge from trump because he seems to be good at um at like finding finding the game and playing it hard so i i would actually be curious to watch that all of this would be fun to watch if it didn't have real life consequences if these people uh did not represent guns and military um Look, there, by the way, I mean, in terms about like uh, Trump bringing Bill Clinton's accusers to the debate and stuff like that, there's no question that, I, I mean, a lot of people could say, and rightfully so, that Trump is sort of playing the game that the, the media, the Democrats, the left have been playing for decades. And he, this is sort of like conservative strike back or not even conservative because Trump isn't really a conservative, really. He's just sort of like Republican strike back or the right, the non-left strikes back. Something is striking back and... There's a certain gratuitous joy that it could bring people. But remember, like Trump does not actually stand for any principles. He doesn't, uh, I don't think he understands rule of law or care much to understand it. So we're not headed anywhere positive if, if this, uh, if, you know, if the, uh, the establishment is being um, hit with this bull in a China shop, as, as I think you said. Um, so, I mean, I, when Ben Shapiro went on the Bill Maher show, that was, an, that was kind of a gratifying thing to watch where, where uh, Bill Maher was talking about Trump, like he's like destroying uh, discourse. He's destroying respectful discourse. And Ben Shapiro reminded him that one election cycle ago, um, Biden, he's speaking to a black audience, said, these Republicans will put you back in mother effing chains. So Shapiro was making the point, oh, Biden is out there, you know, eight years ago tell, telling a black audience Republicans want to put you back in chains, but now Trump is the one who's destroyed politics. So someone can definitely make the case that Trump is just, and people said this about Breitbart and now his organization, now that he's not around, they're just doing, they're doing what the liberals did, but doing it more so, like they're doing it back. Fine, but what, but what are you representing? Like, what are, what's your positive value? I would ask Breitbart, I would ask Trump. And unfortunately, without principled individualism, without uh, respect for objective reality, we're just seeing more collectivism. And this time on the guise of nationalism, of something like that, protectionism. I hate to even say moving towards fascism. Yeah, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, use this term because, you know, for me, it has a very specific politically but and i, I yeah, get your that's point. good that's good that you're sensitive to terminology you know you don't yeah. let us get away with throwing words around but before we get back to the depressing the debate stuff let's let me interject here a positive note which is so our life tonight so i'm probably gonna sleep wake up what's the debate so i'm already in a moody mood that i'm gonna there's one thing that is cheering me up and this one thing that's cheering me up is not the debate nor that Olympiakos is playing in, in, in one and a half hours. Again, that's a soccer reference. People won't get it. It is, though, that in something like 10 minutes at 6.30 on the YouTube channel of Iron Run Center UK, we have the debut of a new, shall I call it, spectacle, series, not event, something nice, something nice. So I would encourage people 
get a way to, to, to clear their mind a bit and get some inspiration and some positive, not positive energy in a mystic way, but something nice and inspiring, check our channel at 6.30. Coming back to the mundane, to the mundane stuff. So from the many times that people have sent us emails or comments that we are cucks, obviously we're not big fans of Trump. That's why the Trump people think these things about us. However, I have to say that you said something very important, that the dirtiness of this election hasn't started from no, hasn't been initiated necessarily from Trump. And the same thing happened in the previous elections. Although this time they are playing, uh, also, also the right is playing a bit more dirty, specifically with Biden and his health and stuff. But here are the, the, the six areas that they're going to discuss. And I want, let's say, a prediction who is going to win. The first is Trump and Biden's records. And I think this is going to be Trump's strongest point. So Trump is going to be like, I can't do the accent, you will do the accent. Best economy ever, jobs, all the stuff. Biden, you've been around since the 70s or whatever. What have you done? So records, I think I give Trump. What do you think? I mean, if this was taking place a year ago, I would say definitely Trump would basically say, look, the country's doing fine. The economy's doing fine. And we're doing better than ever. Whatever he says, ISIS is defeated. A year ago, Trump would definitely run on his record. Now, the Beast world in the is, Middle East? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, okay, so I guess today Trump will. He'll point to these uh, uh, peace agreements between Israel and whoever, whatever miscellaneous kingdom they had no beef with to begin with that they're now officially at peace with. I guess that's, that's his cause for celebration. Um, so yeah, I guess he'll point to some of that, but also the world is in such turmoil and uncertainty with the lockdown. Are we in lockdown? What's the deal? Is there a vaccine? Is there no vaccine? Black Lives Matter versus, you know, rule Oh, that's law. a whole category of its own, don't worry. So. So, but I mean, there's, but like, there's so much happening today. Like this feels like, um, it's like too soon for an election. Like they should delay the election by a year. We'll f see how all of these things pan out. Uh, but I think, um, you know, it's been said that presidents tend to win re-election during wartime. That's why uh, they're accused of starting wars in order to uh, yeah, get notice. Oh, sorry, I interrupted. No, but notice. maybe, maybe, maybe this, all this uh, uncertainty will be good for Trump because people, they don't want to switch leadership during all of this uncertainty. Notice, though, that quite often this is propaganda by the left. For example, they, they, they say it about Thatcher, that she won re-election because of the Falklands War, which, of course, has nothing to do with reality. But anyway, sorry. The second point is the Supreme Court. And again, I think here is a second strong point for Trump. He's basically going to say, vote for me. Otherwise, uh, you, 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 I, I brought real change conservatives. What is the one thing you stand for? Because you don't support capitalism and you have no ideology. He's not going to say that, but we do. The culture wars. So I hit them where it hurts, with the Supreme Court. I gave you, uh, I gave you Kavanaugh. Uh, Gors, uh, uh, so, so three good nominations, you're going to say, and that's it. And I've tipped the, the balance. So I think the Supreme Court, which is going to be the second segment, I think point for Trump. Agreed? Maybe. This is like the part of our culture I don't really pay that close attention to. I, I guess uh, a lot of voters care about the Supreme Court. 
maybe because of what it implies for abortion, which I guess is such a big deal to people. I don't get how anyone um, is worried about fetuses at a time like this, but I guess, uh, you know, religion is serious business, philosophy is serious business, and that's what people are thinking about right now. Um, yeah, look, there, there's no time to discuss abortion now, but yeah. it is it is an important topic. So I think this will be also be important for Trump. Now, the mm -hmm. third one is the most unpredictable, and it is COVID-19. So I think that was the biggest own goal by Trump, because he could just say, look, that's not the president's job. However, from the beginning, being Trump, you know, he went forward, oh, it's going to go away. It's, it's not going to be anything. So I think... Biden could hit me, hit him there, but here's the risk. If Biden appears, so Trump is trying to portray Biden as the lockdown candidate. So if Biden pushes a bit too far and becomes part of the, oh, you know, the crazy people who want to keep us in lockdown indefinitely, because by the way, the economy is going to be destroyed, they're going to bring socialism, that's going to be Trump's line. So COVID, I think it's going to be maybe some good point for Biden, but it's a challenge territory. Sorry, I was, your, your I was distracted. I was, I was reading the comments under the video that, that the Supreme Court issue, it's not about abortion, it has to do with the Constitution. I, love, I mean, whatever I said a minute ago, I was just speaking off the top of my head. I was basically saying, I don't know that much. I don't pay that close attention to that. Maybe the Supreme Court issue is a deciding factor for some voters. I apologize for tuning you out while you were speaking so charismatically. Can you repeat the question? No, it was, it was about COVID and I said, look, that it's, it's a double-edged sword because yeah, yeah. Biden wants to point that Trump messed up, but also Biden can push it too far and then appear as the lockdown crazy candidate. I mean, it's again, like the election is coming too soon. Like uh, we don't really, I don't know yet. A lot of people don't yet know what to make of, of the pandemic, of the lockdown, what to, like, uh, and, and uh and it sort of ties into the, um, the protests. Like Trump says, these are, the, these are Biden's people protesting. But meanwhile, they're protesting under Trump as president. So what's Trump going to say that, oh, vote for Biden for more of this? But Trump's already president. And then Biden, Biden's been tweeting, and justifiably so, that all of this is happening on Trump's watch. Um, That's point number four, though. Uh, sorry, yeah. number five. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I think uh, maybe what you were saying earlier is that like Biden needs to just not look crazy. Were, were you kind of making that point? If, if Biden can just seem like the adult in the room, I think he's gold. I think that's the best thing he can do is not talk about children and not grope anyone. Like if Biden can make, can, can check those two things off his list, uh, he might, he might uh, win the debate. Yeah, for, for the record, by the way, I have to say that the whole, you know, Biden is creepy thing, I, I think it's a bit uh, unfair to him, but uh, anyway. Wow, that's, uh, okay, there you go. That, you, that's Europeans, yeah, I've heard about yeah, you we, Greeks. We are, we are more, yeah, we are more, you know. No, but I, anyway. I mean, I think there's a kernel of, of what you're saying that I agree with, which is just that like old, old men from Delaware, are, are they like to hug and kiss and and uh, people are weird. A lot of, there's a lot of weird stuff. And well, the internet has sort of brought those things about. It's, it's Yeah, that's the thing, exactly. It's like, we think Biden, oh, the guy who sleeps here, come on. Yeah, no, no. and not only that, let me, but, but also jokes. So like people 10 years ago, Shane Dawson was joking about pedophilia, a bunch of things. And now 10 years later, it's all being highlighted and his career is, is up in 
up in shambles. Anyway, back back to back to. Okay, point. point number four. So let's make sure we keep them within a minute. The economy. Uh, I think that's going to be Trump's strongest point. A through his record is going to bring the tax cuts, and he's going to get. He's going to say this guy is going to bring. Uh, he, he has a crazy socialist behind. So I think the economy is a clear victory for Trump. No. Maybe. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I mean, you're asking the wrong person. Like, I'm, I'm more focused on the culture war. What does it all mean for a person? Okay, then, then, then we, go, we go to point number five, mm -hmm. race and violence in the U.S. There we cities. Go. Now, we, now we're talking. Now we're talking. I think that's going to be the most difficult to decide where it goes. Because in a way, it's Trump's strong points that look what these uh, crazy leftists are sanctioning. But also Biden is going to say, no, this is your America. So... What do you think this is? Where do you think this is going to play? It's a good question because, uh, the, you know, the Democrats, they've been, I think, the party of morality for a long time. Like they speak about we need to help the poor, whereas what, are, what can conservatives, what have they said back? Well, we'll help more poor people by letting ri rich people get richer. I mean, it's true, but that doesn't really uh, tug at people's heartstrings the same way. So the Democrats, they've long been the party of the underdog. Um, We've only got a minute left, by the way, so we can uh, premiere the uh, white screen video right after we're done here. But the Democrats, they've been the party of morality for a long time. And um, now the moral position to have is that the police are evil and that black people are living under a Holocaust. That is the official, you know, moral doctrine of the establishment today. So, so Biden needs to basically embrace that or he needs to reject it. It's like, how exactly does he toe that line is the question. Whereas Trump, he's a populist. He could just speak to the average Joe out there and say, this is ridiculous. They're burning down the city. Get back to the American way. America, make America great again. So Trump sort of has the, uh, the uh, upper leg when the official moral stance to have is at odds with what people are, uh, are feeling these days. And but the last one, which we don't have time to discuss is the integrity of the election. I think the mere fact that this is an issue in the debate tells you all you need to know. Anyway, people, anyway. enough with the darkness of the election with all that stuff. So what, for the first time, we're gonna tell you not to watch us, we're gonna tell you to switch off the show, which is gonna end anyway in 10 seconds, and go to ARC UK's YouTube channel. YouTube now. Now, now, literally it's now. It's premiering now. Go, 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 go. Move, 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 move. 